the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. And when you wouldn't listen to the prophets, I had them use symbols. It's like I'm pulling every trick out of the hat here to try to get your attention. And this is the God of the universe, condescending down to them to try to get them because he loves them so much. I'm trying everything here to get your attention. I'm trying everything to get you to turn back. And they wouldn't turn back. They wouldn't listen. So it's not through ignorance that Israel sinned. It's defiance. It just defied God. If you know someone like that, whether it be a rebellious child or a friend, you understand how frustrating it is to watch them constantly go against God. So you pray and you talk to them when you can, and you hope that they pay attention to God before it's too late. Now in Pastor Dan's teaching, it'll become clear that God was done with this particular generation of Israelites, and it broke his heart to have to carry out his judgment on them because he loved them so much. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Hosea chapter 12 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. But I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. I will again make you dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. Now, verse 9 is remarkable. It's remarkable. God just said in the previous verses, You're no better than the Canaanites that I've judged. You're deceitful, you're oppressive. You've become rich by your dishonest gain. You're proud of your ability to cover your iniquity. But instead of casting them off, in verse 9, God extends them more grace. John chapter 1 verse 16 says, God gives us grace in place of grace. Or grace upon grace. Grace is undeserved kindness. God gives us undeserved kindness in place of the undeserved kindness he's already given us. And then he replaces that undeserved kindness with even more undeserved kindness. It's grace upon grace upon grace. And what the Lord does in verse 9, after talking about how they're like Canaanites, and they're oppressive, and they're dishonest, and they're crooked, and they're proud of the fact that they're getting away with it all, in verse 9, the Lord speaks of a future time. A future time when God will again make Israel dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. He's talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. And yes, at this point, the northern kingdom is on the road to destruction. And they're going to go into captivity. They're going to be removed from the land. And they're going to go into captivity. But God looks ahead. He looks to the future. 
to a future time when they'll have the Feast of Tabernacles again. During the Feast of Tabernacles, the Israelites dwelt in tents or booths as part of the celebration, and the Feast of Tabernacles was in the fall of the year. After all of the crops were harvested, all of the crops were brought in, it was a time of celebrating God's blessing. It was a time of celebrating God's provision, which was manifested in the harvest. Look at all of this harvest that God has blessed us with. So it was a time of great joy. It was a time of great rejoicing in the Lord and his goodness and in his provision. In fact, in the law, in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 14, the Israelites were commanded to be joyful at this festival, at this feast. It was mandatory joy. Everybody in your household, everybody in your town, it says, you all have to be joyful during the Feast of Tabernacles. And here it is, Israel has gone astray from the Lord. They've refused to turn back to the Lord, even though he has sent all of these prophets to them. They're heading for destruction as a nation. They're going to go into captivity in Assyria. There's no turning this ship around at this point. But the Lord says, there's going to be a day in the future when I again will make you dwell in tents and you'll be back in this land and I'm going to bless you again and you'll rejoice and you'll celebrate my blessings and my provisions. You'll harvest again one day all of my goodness that I'm going to provide you. It's grace upon grace. Instead of saying, you guys are going to get it. Just you wait. You're going to get what you deserve. I'm sick and tired of you. No, there's going to be a day down the road when I'm going to bring you back into this land. I'm going to bless you again. and You're going to harvest and you're going to celebrate my goodness. My blessings. Same with us, isn't it? We sin. We fall short. We blow it. And think about all the promises that Jesus makes to us. I'll, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. That where I am there, you may be also. And then I'll come again. And I'll receive you to myself and we'll be together forever and ever. Just kind of skips over the sin part, right? Doesn't keep bringing that up with us, does he? He remembers our sins no more. Our failings. All of that was paid for on the cross. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And yes, in our flesh and in our weakness, we continue to fall short. But God looks ahead. There's going to be a day when we're together. In my father's house. I've got this great inheritance reserved for you. Waiting for you. You're going to love it. He's looking ahead to that day. Glorious future that he has planned for us. Just as he looks ahead for Israel here. Yeah, they're heading into some very dark times as a nation and as a people. But God's got his eyes on the future for them when he's going to bring them back. And bless them again. Now this prophecy was fulfilled in part in the book of Nehemiah. Chapter 8 verse 17 of your taking notes. In the book of Nehemiah, as most of you know, there was this small remnant of Jews that returned from the captivity in Babylon back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. And after they come back to Jerusalem, 
They celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 17, I'll read it to you. It says, the whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was very great. The people who returned back to Jerusalem after the exile, they celebrated tabernacles with such joy and gratitude to the Lord for his goodness and his provision. It says Israel had not had this kind of joy since the days of Joshua. This prophecy here that we read in Hosea chapter 12, it's partially fulfilled after the return from Babylon, but its ultimate fulfillment is in the kingdom age. When Jesus Christ returns to this earth and establishes his kingdom here on the earth and he reigns over all of the earth as king of kings and lord of lords. And by the way, the Bible says we're going to come back with him as believers. We're going to come back with him to the earth and we're going to serve as kings and priests in his kingdom. That's when the Lord's prayer that people have been praying for 2000 years, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven during the kingdom age. When Christ comes back, that's when that prayer is going to be answered. And his will will be done because his kingdom will come. And he'll rule as king of kings and lord of lords over all the earth. We'll be there with him. Zechariah 14, 16 says in the kingdom age, you know what we're going to do? We're going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles every year. It says we're all going to go up to Jerusalem. All of us. To Jesus. And worship him, the king. And celebrate his goodness. And celebrate his blessing upon our lives. Won't that be wonderful? And just like when they came back from the captivity to Jerusalem. And they celebrate that feast of tabernacles. And man, they celebrated it like it had not been celebrated since the times of Joshua. Listen, that's going to be nothing compared to us celebrating it in the kingdom with Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. And that's going to be the ultimate fulfillment of this promise here in Hosea chapter 12. And so he goes on. Verse 10. I have also spoken by the prophets. I have multiplied visions. I have given symbols through the witness of the prophets. God sent his prophets to Israel to call them back to God. And when the people wouldn't listen to the words of the prophets, he had the prophets use symbols or parables to try to get the attention of the people. We saw that, remember, with Ezekiel. Ezekiel did all kinds of weird things. Remember that? He'd sleep on one side for several days and turn over and sleep on the other side. Or Jeremiah, remember Jeremiah had the really nice garment that he bought and he wore it through the city. And then God told him to go bury it under a rock for a period of time. And he goes, buries it and digs it back up. And now God has him wear this filthy, ratty shirt through town. And it's all a parable now. He uses parables because the people aren't listening to his words. In the New Testament, Jesus used parables. He used stories. Because the people weren't listening to him anymore. That's an effective communicator. And they're not listening to what I'm saying, so I'll throw a story in there. Even with you, you guys, I can be up here, I can be talking about the Word of God. It's the word, I mean, it's the living Word of God. And I can tell you start to fade out. And then when I say, I worked at a resort when I was in college. Oh, what? Hey, he's going to tell a story. And you think about here what God is saying in this verse. 
In verse 10, I've spoken by the prophets to you. You started to turn away from me and go astray. So I sent prophets. And when you wouldn't listen to the prophets, I had them use symbols. It's like I'm pulling every trick out of the hat here to try to get your attention. And this is the God of the universe condescending down to them to try to get them because he loves them so much. I'm trying everything here to get your attention. I'm trying everything to get you to turn back. And they wouldn't turn back. They wouldn't listen. So it's not through ignorance that Israel sinned. It was defiance. They just defied God. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Verse 11, though Gilead has idols, surely they're vanity, they're empty, there's nothing there, there's no substance, there's no power. Though they sacrifice bulls and Gilgal, indeed their altars shall be heaps in the furrows of, of the field. Now we talked about Gilgal recently. Gilgal is where Israel first camped when they came into the promised land with Joshua. It's where Joshua set up the monument of the 12 stones that they pulled out of the Jordan River. It's where they first celebrated the Passover after entering into the promised land. It's where we're told that the manna ceased. They've been living off manna for 40 years in the wilderness. Now they're in the promised land. They're in the land flowing with milk and honey. They don't need the manna anymore. Now they can enjoy the fruit of the promised land. And so the manna ceased at Gilgal. It's interesting that at Gilgal today, the remains of some of the Israelite camps from the times of Joshua are still visible at Gilgal today. Where they camped out, they would build a little wall around their camps. And some of the stones of those walls are still in place. And you can see the outline of the camps that they set up. The Israelites with Joshua that they set up at Gilgal. And they have found five camps so far that are they're just visible. You can just see them there, the outline of the camps on the ground. Here's the thing. Listen, each of the five camps that have been discovered at Gilgal. They're each shaped in the shape of a foot. Not like with toes or anything, but just the basic shape of a foot. Why a foot? Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. The Lord said to Joshua, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses. So they built their camps, and the fence around their camps, in the shape of a foot. Man, that's how committed they were to believing God's word. At Gilgal. By Hosea's time, Israel had made Gilgal a place of idol worship. The altars at Gilgal that they made to pagan gods were so numerous. Look at the verse again. Verse 11. 
the Lord compares them to piles of stones that farmers would pile up when they cleared their fields. In other words, they just had altars everywhere. All over the place. And Gilgal. Gilgal? Yeah. Where Israel first camped. Where God did these amazing things. Where they had camp shaped in a foot because they believed the word of God. Yeah. Yeah, it's a total pagan place now. And the name Gilgal, it means a heap of stones. And Israel made heaps of stone altars all over the place there. Look at verse 12. Jacob fled to the country of Syria. Israel served for a spouse. Remember, he served for Rachel, and then he was deceived by his uncle Laban. Ended up with Leah, so he served an additional seven years for Rachel. And for a wife, he tended sheep. And here's the point that Hosea is making with verse 12. Jacob continued to trust God even when he departed from the promised land. And went to Syria and lived with his uncle Laban. And he was deceived by his uncle Laban. And he continued to trust the Lord in a foreign land. Jacob remained faithful to God. In contrast, Israel is unfaithful while living in the promised land. And enjoying the benefit of the promised land, the blessing of it. By a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet, he was Preserved. Israel was brought out of Egypt by the prophet Moses. Israel trusted a prophet of God then to bring them out of Egypt and to bring them out of their bondage. In Hosea's day, they disregarded the prophets. They wanted nothing to do with the prophets. They didn't want to hear anything the prophets had to say. Ephraim, he says in verse 14, Ephraim provoked God to anger. Most bitterly. Therefore, his Lord will leave the guilt on his blood of his bloodshed upon him and return his reproach upon him. There's nothing more the Lord can do for the northern kingdom. They've rejected God. They've rejected God's word. They've rejected all of his prophets. Even when he had the prophets do all of these symbolic Things to try to get their attention. And so Israel's guilt is upon them. God's desire is to forgive people of their sins. That's why he sent Jesus Christ into the world. His desire is to forgive people of their sins and to give them eternal life with him in heaven. The Bible says that God is not willing that any would perish in their sins. But that all would come to repentance and salvation through Jesus Christ. God doesn't want any person to go to hell and suffer eternal punishment and separation. And God has done all that he can do to reveal himself to mankind, even sending his own son into the world to die on the cross for our sins, to make a way for us to be reconciled back to God. If a person rejects the gospel message, And refuses to turn from their sins and turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. After they've heard the gospel message and they understand the gospel message. If they still refuse, there's nothing more the Lord can do. There's nothing more that can be done. 
He's not going to force that person to accept Jesus Christ and be saved against their will. You know, like you're going to heaven whether you want to go or not. No. So if they reject God, they reject his messengers, they reject his word, they reject his son. There's nothing more that can be done. Rejecting Jesus Christ is, it's the only unforgivable sin because a person is rejecting the means of forgiveness that God has provided. And so that person remains in their sins and will face God's judgment. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 26 and 27 says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, well, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. Again, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, hey, if we deliberately continue in sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, if we refuse to repent and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ after hearing the truth, well, there's no longer a sacrifice that will cover those sins because Jesus is the sacrifice and you're rejecting the one sacrifice that God has provided to save us from our sins. And Israel is at a point now where God has just sort of laid out his case and says, I've done everything I can. I've pulled all the tricks out of the bag. And they're still refusing to turn to me. There's nothing else I can do. And the Bible says, don't harden your heart towards the Lord. The more a person hardens their heart, the harder it gets to turn to Jesus Christ. The more a person says no or rejects the message, or rejects the truth, refuses to repent, the harder it gets. They get set in their ways. That's why today is the day of salvation. God has provided a way of salvation for man, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. In Acts chapter 4, it says there's salvation and no other name given under heaven. Jesus is the only way of salvation that God has provided. Why does he have to be the only way? Hey praise the Lord that there is a way. <laughs> Let's not get picky here. God has provided a way. For sinners to be forgiven. For sinners to be reconciled to God. For sinners to have the hope of eternal life. Praise the Lord for that. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your provision of Jesus Christ for us. Lord, we thank you that you've provided the way of salvation for us. And we thank you, Lord, for those of us here that are believers, Lord, that have put our faith and trust in you. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you that you remember our sins no more. We thank you that you have a future for us, an inheritance reserved for us in heaven waiting for us. We thank you that you are in heaven right now, preparing a place for us. And one day you'll come again and receive us to yourself that where you are there, we may be also. We thank you for that. Lord, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And we were without strength and without hope. And you came and you rescued us. We thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Hosea, and he has more to share with you next time. As you'll learn throughout this book, Hosea was no stranger to the cycle of repentance, redemption, and restoration. In his own family, there was much forgiveness and restoration that was needed. God allowed this to be the case in order to show the nation of Israel what this looked like in a personal way. Even today, God never wants you to stray from Him. But if that does happen, His deepest desire is for you to come back to Him with a repentant heart. Are you currently clinging to God as your lifeline, or are you at a distance questioning Him? If anything about today's message has struck a chord with you, we'd like to talk with you. Please give us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected yet with a local church, we encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your faith. In fact, if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. If you'd like more details, visit calvaryec.com. On our next edition, Pastor Dan will have more to share from the book of Hosea, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.